Vibes Squared. We did it. Brings you Free V2's exclusive presentation of fandom uh, controlled fan- fandom <laughs> shit. <laughs> fandom controlled fandom. We are. I messed it up. We are. Sh- I know. We are coming into the game ready to go. We are fully prepared and we are hot and pumping. That sounded terrible. Welcome to Fan Controlled Fandom. I'm Kenny Stevenson. And I'm Alex Pumpin Enriquez. You're you're hot. I'm pumping. That's our morning DJ thing we're doing. Hot and pumping. Hey. Sound drop. Beehive. Only the hits. Um, I just just absolutely died there for a second. My whole heart stopped beating. Um, this is fan controlled fandom. This is. The cape space, baby. This is people wearing capes, flying around over stuff, people flying through stuff in their spaceships, people flying on dragons, people wearing capes and trying to be active and using it as a functional piece of uh, wardrobe. If a, if an alien is throwing a human being through a skyscraper or a bard is using a loot to increase the stamina of his party or a rocket ship is trying to teach you a lesson... We're here and we're doing it. And we're doing it. We're doing it live and we're keeping it real in the Star Wars space. We are doing Mandalorian episode five, which I mean, for all intents and purposes, is a full movie in and of itself. So we have plenty to cover, plenty to go through. But first, we got to hit the quick hits, baby. Quick pieces of nerd news. Here comes the stinger. Quick, quick, quick hits. Yep, every time. Uh, I want to. There's a world where Alex and I are going to do this show live. Get ready, people. We're going to do it somewhere in LA, and we're going to be able to hear that stinger play while we're doing the show. And it's just going to be. It's going to be. It's one of the single greatest moments of my life. It's going to be a blast of sound and, in fact, noise that will leave everybody in the auditorium forever changed, forever. Yeah, it's like one of those moments. It's like when it'll be like, I remember where I was when I heard the quick remember, stinger live. I remember the first time I was in a theater and the THX thing was going, and I kept thinking, well, this is as loud as, as it's going to get, right? And then it get, and like, this is as loud as it's going to get, right? That'll be, just, that'll be the live keep, that's listener what it experience. Is. It's going to be the uh, live equivalent of seeing Nicole Kidman walk out, welcoming you back to AMC theaters. So still doing it two years after being back in theaters. Um, you'll you'll so already much. be tired of it the first time you see it. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, basically. Why does she go to the theater by herself? Um, so we have a lot of things coming up this week. A lot of MCU rumors coming down the rumor mill and a lot of casting news in the MCU, which is fine because the MCU has been kind of quiet as they've just been slowly firing people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've, just been, they've just been watching James Gunn get shot from every angle and, and laughing. Yeah, I didn't put it in the quick hits, but uh, the, somebody asked the dorks who are i'm sure this was i don't know i'm sure it wasn't a dork but i'm sure it's going to get a lot of blowback from the dorks in the the snyder verse uh chris pratt doing interviews doing press junkets for uh, super mario brothers was asked if he would be in a dc movie if james gunn james gunn asked him and he said oh yeah of course i would and so of course that's going to make a lot of people go ballistic yeah you know i i also I would like surf and turf for dinner three nights a week. 
So let's just, we're yeah, going mean, to line like, up things, things we want that would be nice that could what's happen. What's he supposed to say? And, uh, no, no, I don't want to do things that's going to pay me tens of millions of dollars. Get out of here. Anyway, I'm, let's talk yeah, about things. I'm only are, the one kind of thing you like. I'm only the one kind of thing. Uh, that's a lot of rumors, a big room, a lot of Deadpool three news this week, a lot of Deadpool three, Deadpool three is supposed to start shooting. I believe in a couple months, Hugh Jackman is getting Hugh jacked man for this. Nice he's playing. Mr. You're welcome. He's and no one's ever done that before. That's the first time anyone's ever used that phrasing for his uh, name big rumor coming out this week this is fully unsourced this is like conjecture coming from conjecture but i saw it from a couple different sources that the rumor is that the story is going to center around deadpool versus the tva and because of that owen wilson will be playing mobius will be um part of this film that sounds I mean, yes. Check done. Thank you. Of course, and it's it also just sounds just as likely as anything else in this space where we know absolutely nothing. So cool. Yes. Yeah. Or until until somebody comes out and says no, because and and it's actually it's unfortunate that this rumor didn't debut like a week ago, so he could be asked about it on the paint red carpet. <laughs> but the thing is, it's um the paint red carpet. Yeah, Owen Wilson. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't comment on it, but like, wouldn't that be great? Wow. Anyway. That'd be really cool. Um, It'd be a really cool use of the character. Wow. Wow. The thing that the reason why I put it here, because I don't put a lot of like wild rumors, is that I do think the thing that I think that sticks out to me here is the TVA and the fact that they have said on multiple times, have they said the story that we're telling does not affect the Logan timeline, like in that timeline, he is still dead. We're not spoiler alert for Logan. He dies. Um, this Aww. is going to be a different Wolverine. And the way you get that is through multiversal stuff. And there's probably, and then who guards the multiverse by the time Deadpool comes out, we'll have had a season two of Loki. So um, there's, it makes sense to me that the TVA would be in this plot line based on what we've already been told. And I mean, Owen Wilson in the same scene with Ryan Reynolds, I mean, get your stopwatches out. That dialogue is going to be moving quick. Quicker than a, quicker than a pair of balls that are with light, you know, like that kind of stuff that they do in the movie yeah. that they, they do like the really long, overly constructed joke quicker than a bunch a- of words. Quicker than a 12th grader trying to have sex with a porn star. Yeah, like Thank that. You. Like that. Thank that's you. that's it. That's good. You're I, Deadpool. I am I am Deadpool. That's yeah. yes, I will take that. Speaking of actual things that are definitely happening in Deadpool, it was announced this week that Matthew McFadden from Succession, he plays Tom Wands Gans. Do you watch Succession? I do. Oh, you know who Tom is then, correct? I do know Tom Wamsgans. He's maybe one of the best people on television right now. Oh, just an absolute... I mean, just you talk about somebody... The Succession is such an unbelievably wonderful television show, well-written, all the performances are so great. But you want to talk about somebody, the two characters, Nicholas Braun, who's fantastic as well, but he and Matthew McFadden are just, just doing so much every episode. They're like serious, yep. they're funny, they're... Like like really serious, then they're like 
like weirdly like playing weird tricks on it. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible performer. He is announced to be starring in Deadpool three as well. And the rumor is, is that he is going to be kind of like a third wheel. We don't know his character, but he's going to be on a third wheel stuck on whatever adventure Deadpool and Wolverine are fighting their way through. This I'm is like, really cool. Great. Yeah, and, and not a lot of people know this. This is a, a kind of a behind-the-scenes showbiz fact. But Matthew McFadden, in real life, uh, is brothers with Macaulay Culkin. So that's really interesting, and not a lot of people know that. <laughs> but then, wait, so then, and then Kieran, what people don't know is that Kieran Culkin is actually British. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why he's named don't. Kieran Culkin. Yeah, the Kieran is because well, that makes him Scottish, Irish, Irish. Kieran is a Scottish Irish name, so it's an Irish any, any name. Sp- it's an Irish name. So Brits and yeah. Irish people don't like each other, but still, in this particular case, Kieran Culkin is British, and Matthew McFadden is is uh, is Macaulay Culkin's Macaulay brother, Culkin's yes. brother. Yeah, yeah. I this is very exciting to me. This idea of you know. We've already we touched on a little bit with Owen Wilson being, you know, clearly Deadpool has they love their banter. They love their quips, which fits in well with the MCU. And uh, Matthew McFadden being alongside that, I think, is just he can he has a great ability to either be like paced up or he can be super paced down and still and just get comedy from his eyes and stuff. He's just a wonderful, wonderful actor. Yeah, and I love the idea that this, you know, this Tom Wams games, this, you know, very, the kind of man we're watching there, most people that I have talked to were first introduced to this performer when he was, uh, what's his face from that movie? He was Darcy in, in, you know, like the great romantic figure of all time, you know, the hand, the clenched hand, Pride and Prejudice, yeah, like the clenched hand and all that stuff. And now he's like, Mr. Okay, Toadie, we're gonna, gonna kind of find a way to get backwards around that. And I, I, I think that that's just, you know, that's what we call acting. It's, it's nice, it's nice to see somebody against type. And then you go, but what type is he? That's what, yeah, and it's, you know, I've, he was on a great show that was on BBC America called Ripper Street that was all about kind of like undercover cops during the time of Jack the Ripper. It was a really fun show and he was really great on it. And then, yeah, when I saw when he was in succession, I was like, oh, when you see his character, his character has come so far. He was like assistant director of theme parks or something. And now he's the head of television. It's just the, I, I like this idea of which the MCU has always done a really good job of is just like, and we talk about this a lot with Star Wars with directors. When someone's like a good actor, they're just like, well, let's just get them in here, and let's just let's just get them in here and have them do rather than them being in something else. Let's get them in our stuff and get them doing fun stuff. Yeah, and 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 make him uh, he'll he'll make the thing good and better. You know, good people make yes. things better. Good. Things make people better. What? Um, that's not what you said. Speaking General of electric. Speaking of casting and whether this person is going to be continued to be cast, big old Jason Momoa, Jamoa, he came out this week, aka Aquaman. He came out this week. This is our DC news of the week. Uh, he came out and said that. Uh, uh, Oh yeah, no. I think there will Aquaman will definitely be involved in the new DC universe. That's what he was saying. 
He said and he, he thinks, thinks he's going to be Aquaman, right? Yes, of course. Because this is what he said. He's confident that Aquaman will be a part of their plans. He says, Peter, he's on a first name basis with Peter Safran. Peter, he's, Peter is the producer on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And he is a dear friend. I absolutely think that Aquaman will be involved in the DCU. It's on, bro. There's no one bigger than Aquaman. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> no, he's right. He's right. He's and right. He's, there's no one bigger than Aquaman. That's true. There's literally there's there's no bit there's no one bigger. There's no like Superman. No Batman. Who? No who? Wonder Woman. Who? Who? Spider Man. Who? Like what? Yeah. Captain no. America. Aquaman. Aquaman is like if you're getting the Justice League together and you're like okay Superman. I got Wonder Woman. I got Batman. I got the Flash. Then you maybe think are like oh shit who are we forgetting? Oh you know what Aquaman. And then, like, no. Cyborg's like, whatever, yeah, he's just here. I would get to Mixter Mixius Pitalik before I went to Aquaman. Puh, on Aquaman, I say. Yeah, I think what, it, what this Pooey. is, they said J- Jason Momoa went up to James Gunn and went, hey, can I still be, Can is there going to be Aquamans and can I still be Aquaman? And James Gunn said, yeah, we'll totally do some Aquaman. And when we do, you're it. And then he walked out of his office and saw Peter Safran. And Peter Safran says, we're not making any more Aquamans, right? And James goes, yeah. no, of course not. Peter Safran's like, yeah, you scared the shit out of me because I definitely don't want to do any more of these fucking movies. No, we don't. So we'll see what happens. Part of my French. Momoa did say that he hopes people are really excited to see Aquaman. It's fun. I really enjoyed doing comedy. There's some really oh, funny stuff. With, there's some really funny stuff with Patrick Wilson. I really adore him. We had a great time working together. It's like we're <laughs> brothers. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in this one. I really enjoy doing comedy. Is something that somebody who doesn't probably shouldn't be doing comedy says about doing comedy. I really yes. enjoy doing the comedy. Somebody who, for for all outward indications, is not a funny person. Oh my god! Uh, I, yes, I think he's one of those guys who's like really big and attractive and athletic, and sometimes he will do something not trying to be funny that will make people laugh, and he'll think, huh, "I guess I just did some comedy." Yeah, but then I also want to point out, like, what, like, so I understand maybe you're not doing like straight comedy, but like, you also like aren't like doing like intense drama on the other end. Like, you're definitely like basically playing yourself in most of the things that you appear in. So as I could tell by the number of like, like long chains and bangles on your wrists when you're doing like vests with no shirt on is your wardrobe for most everything you appear in. No offense. Jason Momoa is a wonderfully fine performer, but that's, that's I love Jason Momoa. And I think, I think one of the things I love about him is like, if he heard us talking about this, he'd probably go like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like he wouldn't get mad. He'd just be like, I'm having fun over here, you know, and, and, and doing comedy. Doing the comedy. I actually have something that doing for comedy. the, uh, I have something for the, dude, I really enjoy doing comedy. I have something for oh. the quick hits that I didn't put on there, but we'll talk about it anyway. It'll be a surprise for you. Alex, did you oh, watch shit. the X, did you watch the X files growing up? I did not. It's too scary. When I saw that mermaid man in the, or the stretchy oh, man in right. the gutter, I, I was at like episode six. I couldn't do it anymore. I forget you're a scaredy cat. Well, there is supposedly, according to Chris Carter, I watched all of, 
the previous iteration, I did not watch the new episodes. I've seen the movies. I was a big X-Files person. Gillian Anderson is like on the pedestal. Fox and Mulder, here we go. Uh, While being interviewed on the show On the Coast, original creator Chris Carter was asked how the X-Files would be different if it were made in our current times. He replied, we're so steeped in conspiracies right now. The X-Files dealt with a central conspiracy, but now the world is so full of conspiracies, I think it would be a different show. Actually, I just spoke to a young man who is going to remount the X-Files with a diverse cast. So he's got his work cut out for him because we covered so much territory. That person is Ryan Coogler. <laughs> that talented young go-getter. <laughs> is Ryan Coogler. So what he's saying here is that Ryan Coogler is doing somewhere. That's all we know. There hasn't been any announcement of this, but there is supposedly a, a X-Files reboot with Ryan Coogler attached to to get it up and running, that to me is incredibly exciting. I like the idea of it, and I also like the idea that these episodes are going to have far more American flag bumper stickers in them than they did before. Conspiracy theory uh, is a different animal now because they oh conspiracy God, yeah. theories. And this this is what I the refrain I keep hearing from people who like are genuinely into conspiracy theories. It used to be fun. It used to be aliens and JFK cover ups. And now it's like, I don't know, they're putting covid vaccines in the water. And, you know, it's it's all it's all an attempt to foment a fascist takeover. And it's like not fun anymore. You know? Yeah. It used to be like. Yeah, like, oh, the number 23, if you add your name up and the number's in your name and it's 23, and if you go in this, it's the tw- number 23. And now it's like Hillary Clinton's eating babies with Barack Obama in the bottom of a pizza parlor. And like that was like a thing that some guy actually went and got a gun and went to. <laughs> so, and then to then make the X, to dive into conspiracy theories and then make it a diverse cast, that is like incredibly compelling to me because like all stupid things that in the, exist in this country because of white supremacy, a lot of conspiracy theories all center around keeping keeping the patriarchy, the cisgendered white male patriarchy, patriarchy white male is implied, in place and thus keeping the, the, the way things are or making America great again. So to have like a show like X-Files operating in that space is incredibly interesting to me. And especially from somebody like Ryan Coogler, whose creative output and then the way, the way too that he talks about his approach and his creative output is somebody I find extremely fascinating. I, I can't wait for somebody to describe these episodes to me while I uh, in broad daylight with the lights on. <laughs> It'll so, be I don't, so I don't get too uh, scared. I'll be telling you. I'll be relaying them to you with the with the with the most loving language possible. <laughs> I'm every episode I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you in the beginning and say does this one have a g- 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 ghost? <laughs> Amazing. Well, I don't know if you're going to like this next news then. Do you I know that you know a little bit about The Wonder Man. There is a Wonder Man show coming to the Disney Plus. They've already cast um speaking of Aquaman. Um geez, I don't want to say his name wrong. It's Yaya's his first name. It's is it shoot have everything up on your computer before oh sorry yabya abdul mateen the second thank you i got there um they have announced who is going so in comics lore the brother of wonder man uh simon williams is eric williams and in comics lore eric williams is the grim reaper 
So, and they have cast an actor by the name of Demetrius Gross, who was on Fear the Walking Dead and Apple TV Plus's Swagger. He has now been cast in the Wonder Man television show. I would watch Yahya Abdul-Mateen II like open up a can of beans. He's incredibly compelling. He's a wonderful yes. performer. So I'm already kind of in on this. Uh, I'm not familiar with this actor, but the fact that they're going to go like full brother, Wonder Man, Grim Reaper makes me think that maybe, I don't know, White Vision's going to show up. Who knows? There, I mean, Vision is the one to, to kind of bring up here because another part of the Wonder Man mythos is a longstanding relationship with the Scarlet Witch. Oh, like they dated? Like they dated. They might have, uh, as we say in the comic universe, porked hard. <laughs> That's great. I like that we, you know, we got to save the audience and use the actual proper uh, comics pronunciation of uh, consummating the relationship of porking yeah. hard. Yeah, um, Kirby, Kirby and Lee came up with that one in 1939. <laughs> Kirby and, well, we need to find somebody to call. We can't say having sex or, you know, banging. What what should we say here, Kirby? Uh, what about porked hard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was my exactly. spot on jack kirby impression um yeah i this is they say here you know uh eric suffered as the black sheep of the williams family where simon was doted upon eric eventually steered toward a life of crime and wielding a sith scythe sith? i never know how to scythe. pronounce it scythe thank you that was ultimately upgraded with the common inducing powers he adopted the name grim reaper so yeah and because in the original comics canon correct me if i'm wrong um, like the kind of blueprint for Vision is don't they use part of Simon Williams to kind of make Vision and that's kind of the lore behind Wonder Man there yeah there is some overlap there and I don't know exactly what it is but if I'm yeah if memory serves they you know they used Wonder Wonder Man as a template to bring Vision back or to you know Vision inhabited Simon's body for a time something like that yeah, so that could be what's happening. And, you know, I would love, I mean, I feel like what happened to uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch in Multiverse of Madness, which was, I mean, a very understandable um, kind of transition. I think there's a gap there kind of in between the end of WandaVision to Multiverse of Madness. She is just straight evil. I think there was something needed in the middle there. And I don't know, maybe, yep. this, maybe this is going to be it. Maybe this is going to be like Dave Filoni rewriting some wrongs in the star which we're going to talk about very soon there's one more thing that i wanted to bring up because it wasn't i forgot to write it in because i'm you know i can only do so much i'm only one man and uh there's another mcu casting news that i i'm gonna i didn't put it in there i'm gonna tell you that there is a character and the actor playing that character coming back who has not been in the mcu for over 10 years can you conjecture and it's not tim blake nelson who was in the Incredible oh. was already announced as being in this. Uh, who think of somebody who has been has not been in the MCU since their their first appearance in the MCU, and they're coming back for Captain America for Captain America: New World Order. Well, I did happen to see this bit of casting news, so I don't have to make a guess. It's okay. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler is coming back to play Betty Ross, not Betsy Ross, but Betty Ross, because she is Thunderbolt Ross's daughter. In, in MCU canon, whatever, I'm the Ed Norton version, I guess we have to assume that Mark Ruffalo and her were in love. This implies to me that probably Mark Ruffalo is also going to be showing up in this movie. But this movie also already has uh, Harrison Ford 
playing Thunderbolt Ross. We've got Tim Blake Nelson coming back as the leader um, who, who has not been seen since uh, uh, Incredible Hulk. We have Carl Lumbly coming back to play Isaiah Bradley. Danny Ramirez is coming back to play Torres. Like so many people are in this movie, but I have to feel like if you're going to have all these people around the Hulk <laughs> in the movie, I have to think that Mark Ruffalo is showing up as well. Yeah, that's a safe assumption, I'd say. Um, unless unless they just wish to suggest his presence and not have to do all the FX work. Yeah, I was going to say, is She-Hulk going to show up? Everyone in Marvel's wringing their hands like, ah, I've got cramps. I can't digitally put all the Hulks and a, <laughs> and a flying Captain America. Come on. They're just going to have to do a, a, a U.S. Marines airdrop of wrist braces over uh, wherever that studio is. Probably Vancouver. Um, there's a. I have to assume too that if you're going to have Ross, you're going to have all these other people that I guess probably. Um, why can't I remember the actor's name? God, we am we are on it today. Uh, Abomination. Who plays Abomination? Tim Roth. Thank you. I knew it's Tim. I couldn't get his fucking last name out of my mouth. Uh, part of my French. Yeah. So I got to assume probably Abominations. I mean, this is going to be just a, a for lack of a better word, a star spangled event. It's going to be a slurry of celebrity talent. A slur, a celebrity slur. Um, that's all we got for the quick hits. Alex, it's that time again. It's that time of the week when we're being on the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network that we do one piece of sports news. Alex, take us out to the paddock once again, won't you? We, I, I will, and I shall, and I actually have my own uh, mini quick hits of F1 news here for this oh, week. Oh, wow. Um, if starting off with Fernando Alonso, who leading a reinvigorated Aston Martin F1 team is looking to perhaps score his 33rd podium this, uh, this time around. And judging my past performances, he's sure to get it. Uh, second update, Max Verstappen again under the weather after dealing with a stomach bug that kept him out of free practice in the previous Grand Prix. Uh, one may wonder if a little bit of driver uh, unreliability could hamper the Red Bull championship uh, chances this year. Also, uh, on the other side of that, Lance Stroll healing very well from his surgery, by all accounts. And in a strange update, FIA official Stefano Domenicali has wondered aloud whether or not free practice should be done away with. This, of course, causing uh, more cost-conscious F1 fans to lament, as that's one of the only ways to uh, more affordably see any F1 action live in person. Kenny, back to you. Amazing. I was going to ask what in the ever-loving F is free practice? Does that mean you got to pay for it usually? But it sounds like it's free to the public. Is that what I'm it's, assuming? No, it's a free It's a free practice for the drivers to be able to, without setting time, just kind of get the track underneath them and get get some loops in and get some feedback data to the engineers. And what this is – I think you have to – like see, uh, tickets to this are $500 rather than $1,800 for the race. So it's Good it's Lord. all still just like it's a very – expensive rich boy sport i'm gonna pay eighteen hundred dollars to watch these cars drive by me every 10 to 15 minutes um my piece of sports mm. news yeah my piece of sports news i'm not gonna beat around the bush hey oh i maybe i will later i'm going to no i won't that's terrible i am uh, gonna just go straight into lakers news uh lebron james on sunday of this week uh surprised everyone including his doctor who is 
German doctor who is quote unquote the doc the LeBron of tendons or something. I think he's like the LeBron of whatever the LeBron of feet. That's what he is. The LeBron of feet was even uh, amazed to see that LeBron James recovering early from a uh, torn tendon in his foot to come out and play with the uh, Lakers on Sunday. They lost that game. However, uh, last night, uh, Wednesday night, they did come back and beat the Bulls in Chicago to now be in the eighth place in the playoffs. That's my piece of sports news. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Alex, you've been hitting, just pounding the pavement so hard I can hear it all the way back here in Palm Springs. I know you've been doing just dynamite work. Who do you have as our, as our corporate underwriter tonight, today, whenever uh, you're listening to this? Our, our corporate underwriter for this episode is a new uh, fitness uh, kind of facility from a familiar name, uh, but a new entry into this sphere. It's a gym. Brought to you by Rick Rubin. It's Rick Rubin's oneness and doneness. Uh, are you searching for a connection to your center? Are you ready to get swole? Do you mind getting screamed at by a guy whose shirt is just covered in au jus stains? Come to Rick Rubin's oneness and doneness. Improve your mind-body connection to find some bodies that won't mind connecting with yours. So that's Rick Rubin's oneness and doneness. It's a new gym. <laughs> that just sounds like a whorehouse. I don't know. If that's what Rick Rubin's going, this is like this is this is famous music mogul Rick Rubin. That's who we're talking about. Music mogul and amateur spiritualist Rick Rubin. Yeah, he's. I think it's the the angle is get in shape so that you can find a romantic partner. Okay, I hope that's I hope that's where it stays and, and nothing else changes in his, yeah. uh, in his line reads. Um, <laughs> Alex, I think it will. <laughs> I feel like based on our. Uh, our track record it will let's just let's let's get our helmets on let's let's get in us in a tie fighter and let's bring back people who we saw in an episode of book of boba fett i think is where that character was from before and let's dive in baby episode five of the mandalorian holy cow this was an episode of television where so much was going on I'll try to recap it as quickly as I can. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Ya. Well, I want to go back to a certain part, but we open up in, and I can't remember where we open. Tell me where we open. I think I can get it from the rest of the way there. We're on Navarro, right? We're on Navarro first. Okay, so we're on Navarro. Yes. We're on Navarro. Uh, pirates, the pirate who came from, uh, the pirate from, uh, uh, <laughs> from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, came out yeah Davy, Davy Jones he's Davy he's Jones. here he comes down to Navarro basically says you killed a bunch of my people now I'm gonna kill you uh at that point uh grief Karga sends a message out to the Republic asking for help we then see Captain Carson Tava Tiva Tiva who we saw in an episode basically as being like a a beat cop, like pulling over Mando for speeding above uh, Tatooine and Book of Boba Fett. Uh, he gets this message, then goes to just an all-time Star Wars appearance, effing Tim Meadows <laughs> yep, as, as like his boss that he's still referring to as Sir. So gets them, says we need to give them some help. They're not in the... Uh, they're not. They in haven't the, signed the accord of yeah, the new they republic. They haven't signed the accord of the new republic yet. Kane shows up. Kane's like, "Oh yeah, um, 
they start talking about how uh, oh, Tim Meadows asked her about her working for Moff Gideon, who used to be on that planet, and she talks about it, and there's something going on with her. And then Tiva is like, I need some help. I'm going to go to Navarro. He goes, somehow finds the 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 covert because somebody in the covert fought when the clone fought with him during the rebellion and we don't know who that was but that was just something that was said he then uh, no we do know it was r5d4 well that's right sorry thank you very much i'm i'm my brain is in i'm doing this play right now and <laughs> i did one preview that went great and then my preview last night was like i don't know where i was i was somewhere at the casino still and i just was out of my body and just saying words and so I'm still kind of there. But the opening's tonight. Anyway, so Ooh, congratulations, man. Happy opening. Thank you very much. Um, the the R unit basically is like gave the information. He says, look, I'm not going to reveal where you are. Uh, he just needs help. We then see Din Djarin say, I need to help this person for what he's helped me for in the past. But also I think this could, he's offered me land. This could be a home for us. We could live above ground. We don't have to live underground. We don't have to live on a planet where literally every single thing is trying to kill us at all times. <laughs> Yeah. And they decide to then go to Navarro. They stop the pirates and everything is great and yada, yada, yada. They're now there. This is the way. That's the base. That's the base of the show. I want to talk about a very big missed opportunity in the beginning of the show, which is we cut to shortly after um, there is the, the uh, grief cargo reaches out to the Republic and the pirates. We see kind of like New Republic pilots hanging out at a coastal city and there's like a beachfront and they're on the water. And I, at this point in my life, I don't understand if we, we could have had some rebellion people on the beach, like punching and fighting, shooting into the water. Like, yes. yeah, like, I don't understand why we have steered we went we went head first into that into that screaming storm last week i feel like that's the bar we got to be there uh, we had the opportunity to be there within the first like 4 minutes of the episode and i'm a little bummed i think they're just trying to dr- draw a distinction like the mandalorians we know we're supposed to follow them they're cool and fun because they're beach boys but the rebellion new republic folks not Beach Boys. There's Beach Boys yeah. and there's not Beach Boys. And like yeah. as we saw throughout this episode, the New Republic kind of not not nailing it, being very non Beach Boy. Yeah, they're very. Thank you very much for labeling that properly, Beach Boys. They, yeah, it's you know the Mandalorians are like, look, bro, we're in like full armor and we are straight up partying to the max. Everything is done to the max on the beach. And yeah. y'all are just like sitting in your little air conditioned room playing like snooker in the back. And there's like, uh, <laughs> there's, there's like one little, uh, little tiny little bar. I mean, come on, get the Mandalore should just be, should fly in and go to Tiva and say, get at our level, bro. But yeah, they don't. They, they, they fly in carrying a giant cooler of beers <laughs> and straw hats and lays and they go like now it's a party and dun, 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 dun. and like twins walk by and like a, a two rebel pilots look at them and flip up their their yeah. blaster visors everyone's wearing like hot fluorescent bathing suits it's it's on <laughs> on and popping baby it's awesome can, can i can i say this too just the, an aside from everything certainly aside from our usual purview here on the show we lost something when we completely abandoned swimwear that was fluorescent. People really have have forgotten 
the tan skin with those fluorescent pops of color on it looks really good. I mean, I'm glad you're saying it. I mean, it's it's this is an important message that I think people need to hear. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy that that's where we are now, not just as a show, but as a society. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Yeah. So I feel like this might be a new Sam's boat scenario. I feel like I've, I've but star Wars has really given us something that is the greatest thing of all time, which is Mandalore beach boy party session. And I feel like anytime, <laughs> anytime I see a beach with any sort of Mandalorian on it, I'm, I'm going to want them to be, you know, going hard. And if they're not, it's going to be disappointing. Do you think from now on, like when we see Mandalorians and they're, if they're like going to a planet, do you think if they see a beach, we'll hear them go, "Oh, fucking sweet!" Like they'll, <laughs> I hope so. they'll just know, "Oh, this is gonna be great." <laughs> oh, what's it? What are the waves like? I don't care, man. <laughs> Any, anybody got, anybody got information on when this when the break where the break is? Well, it says it says four it says four to five foot face. Oh, let's go, bro. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I do want to point out something we did see in the Rebellion bar is a confirmed appearance of a character, the first live action appearance of a Star Wars Rebels character. Wait, that's confirmed? Not just his, he's not just a Lassai, that's Zeb? That was Zeb. Are you kidding me? I'm reading it here, bro. It says what? So basically, for those of you who don't know, at some point, Tiva goes to a bar and a character sits next to him and looks like Zeb, who is one of the rebels from Star Wars Rebels. And we know that we're getting, um, we're going to for sure get Sabine Wren in Ahsoka. She's been cast. And the rumor is, is that Mary Elizabeth Winston will be Hera. We know that Ezra has been cast, so we know we're getting, and Kanan, of course, is dead. Spoiler for Rebels. Um, but Zeb, so then I looked up, is this Zeb? And I found a bunch of different articles, and it says, was, this is on Yahoo, and it says, was this Zeb? And it says, yes, it sure was, and the actor that voiced him in Star Wars Rebels, Steve Blum, reprised his role. He made a surprise cameo appearance. I'm gonna. I'm just confirming my confirmation. That's awesome because I saw leading up to this and all the talk about you know integrating the rebels crew to this story and certainly going forward into Ahsoka. One of the things I I was thinking about in advance, especially with like television television budgets, is. Yeah, that Rebels crew is all, you know, human humanoids. You can do Ahsoka's like head tails or whatever, but Zeb is a something you have to like fully realize in the digital space. And I thought he worked really well on Rebels, the the look and feel of that animated show, but I've seen Lasats that have been portrayed in I think Jedi Fallen Order. Some of the bigger video game properties have had Lasat in them, and they don't integrate as well from a looks perspective. So I was worried, like, how are we going to fully realize this character with, you know, uh, real live action actors? And I think it worked really, really well last night. I mean, I think I, I like Zeb's character design because um, he is it Zeb or Zeb? It's Zeb. Zeb. Uh, he's he's sort of a rehash of one of the original Ralph McQuarrie designs of Chewbacca. The oh, really? kind of 
the spiky upturned elven ears and the more like bat like nose are original concepts for Chewbacca. But I thought it carried off brilliantly in the show. And it's just interesting to see that Zeb became like an official rebel pilot. I mean, he's he's in yes, a he's pilot uniform. He is an X-Wing pilot for the rebellion, which that that X-Wing uh, cockpit's got to be real tight on him. Because I was going to say he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Big boy. But I thank you for bringing that to my attention because I, I just thought, oh, cool. They've got a Lasat in there. It'll work. But th- that's Zeb. That's great. I Yeah, it took me a second to like when it showed up on screen and he started talking and it was the voice because visually I didn't make the connection. But then he started talking and I was like, oh, my God, is that Zeb? I was like, that's got to be him. And I lo- looked it right away. I paused the show and was like, yes, that is that is officially Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. So and God bless that- Steve Bloom too for kind of I think he made his voice quote unquote more live action that he is usually really over the top as Zeb when the Rebels show but this was way way more oh, yeah. subtle and live action appropriate I felt like and I'm really glad they've given him the job. Yeah, it's really really great. I'm very ha- it's just it was it now makes me feel and we'll talk about this a little more as we get going. It makes me feel like <laughs> We are going to be getting somebody else from Rebels in this show. And I feel like the easiest person is going to be Sabine because of what happens later in the show, which we'll get to, which I didn't really touch on in the recap, but we'll talk about it. Um, So this episode, I should get overall thoughts. What were your thoughts of this episode? I should have started there. This is one of the first episodes that I noticed some clunk to. There is like the writing, the dialogue, how things sort of played out felt it, it started to feel to me like it had the same kinds of things that I've heard other people complain about before that I didn't sense. There were some and it just it, it's more of a feel thing. I, I just while I was getting the one of the coolest, most action packed episodes of Star Wars anything, I just felt that. Some, like I just said, some of the dialogue, some of the writing, and how things kind of played out just felt a little stiff and clunky to me. That said, getting to watch Mandalorians drop out of a spaceship and be like little four man fire squads on the street and, and, you know, know what to do and wipe these guys out. And then it struck me too that at the same time, it's classic Star Wars in the sense that you're getting this really cool ground battle at the same time you're getting ships flying around, not in space per se, but it's still a fighter battle. And some of the ways that they choose to depict these things now, this this sort of recurring fixed camera that's on the hull of Din Djarin's ship yes, pointed so back at him is such a cool way. And I, I know they're just putting that on the volume behind him and swirling it around, but it, it just looks so cool. And that's one of the things they really knocked out of the park in this episode is making everything look just super cool. Yeah, I actually like have like no complaints. I thought this episode was fantastic. <laughs> but I <laughs> like to me, like I just I don't know if I just was just kind of sucked in by the Star Warsiness of this. You're right. The whole like ground f- battle combined with the the space battle trying to take down this giant thing is is very Star Wars. And like 
but yeah, done in that cool way that Mandalorian does the camera stuff. You're right. is just so awesome. I just liked it too, because I'm, I also like the stuff happening back in Coruscant. I love stuff that is basically like minutia within like the Andori type stuff. Like I love watching this guy talk to Tim Meadows, who's now his boss. And he's like, we're a, we're a data entry or like yes. talking to the robot and being like, don't put that there. Don't put, Oh, come on. Like, I like that idea, but see what it's, but what we're positing. And this is why I think if you watch the bad batch too, is that we are, I don't want to say fully, but we are probably like end of season, all of Ahsoka and the next season of the Mandalorian, almost wholly focused on the rise of the first order. And which is something we didn't get from the sequel trilogy is how did all of this, how is everything just back to the way it was 35 years after <laughs> return of the Jedi? Um, and so we're starting, and I think one of the things they're positing is that the rebellion um, hope, the hope is like making them overlook a lot of like stuff underneath and uh, so all that stuff to I, me I, is all super interesting to me. So I just was like, and then I also get awesome flying. My God, that shot. You're right. The shot of the Mandalorians coming out of the ship is about the coolest damn thing ever. I think there's something to, you know, I think I when I watched like the first special edition of Return of the Jedi, when they changed it so that you saw that shot of Coruscant and everybody's like, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, there's they a stormtroopers getting crowd surfed and they're they're pulling down the statues and there's something even even at that time in my head i thought but then what next like there still has to be like law and somebody still has to start governing and collecting taxes and the transition from this rebel group who's just trying to break the stranglehold of a fascistic regime to now having to govern it's you know it's not like when when two countries go to war and one of them wins or 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 takes the most property back usually that government has some kind of facility to install some other kind of government in that place but a a, a rebellion you know Saw Gerrera isn't thinking well when we get rid of the emperor I'll I'll run for president he's just yeah, trying no. to get rid of the emperor and so none of these people were suited to the new jobs in which they find themselves which also they're taking over for a fascistic regime there's got to be like mountains of paperwork all to figure out, like, oh, we don't need this program, per se, or whatever. I, yeah, I, but I think – I was going to say – I, I think, think – Go ahead. No, I've, uh, 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 you think. You think uh, first. Uh, you think – I think that there is clearly the narrative that is being pushed is this idea of falling back on what is familiar. Like when Luke is trying to start up the Jedi Temple again with Grogu in Book of Boba Fett, he falls back on all of the teachings – that he got from Yoda, whether or not believing what he did as to properly unite the, the, not just the rebellion, but the forces of dark and light, like they're supposed to, you know, bring balance to the force. He, the way he did that was by not listening to the ways of the Jedi was to like be, I, I have friends, I have connection. And it's because of those connections that I'm going to try to connect with my father and yada, yada. It's, yeah, but and but it seems like what we're getting now is this idea of falling back on what you know, and so Luke did that, and now we're starting to see with the with the rebel the 
republic, the new republic, is that they're falling back on what they know, the Senate, going everything kind of operating the way it did before. Like if you read the Aftermath books, which are Star Wars canon, which take place, it's the Aftermath. It's a three-part trilogy. It talks about what happens after uh, the Battle of Endor. Uh, eventually, um, Mon Mothma becomes supreme or just becomes chancellor again. They just have, they just go back to the same titles that they had before and be, that's what got them susceptible. So, you know what I mean? They're not, that's what we're kind of starting to get is this narrative of like, and I think uh, Tiva even says it. He says, I feel like the empire seems to be getting a little stronger. He calls it out. And so it's interesting to me, like, let's fix what's wrong with the, we fixed the prequels. Now let's fix the sequel trilogy real quick. I agree with you, and I think too, it, it's something that links back to Andor as well. The um, the scene where uh, Doctor Pershing has done his big—this uh, is two episodes ago now. Doctor Pershing has done his big speech, and he comes out, and all those people that are those gadflies that are all around him, talking to him about all these different things. They're, um, that that's they're I think purposefully written for us as audience to to indicate to us that these are not great people. Political wheeler dealers, slime kind of riding the system. And it's just like the people that Mon Mothma was pretending to be a part of in her and including her husband in a, in another time of the empire, which is, you know, well, before a little before the Battle of Yavin. And now we're on the other side of it. And it turns out, oh, the same problems still exist. The same yeah. the same the same moral ills will exist in people. Uh, but I there think to that, well, you know, going back to, you know, back to things, Luke, Luke correctly identifies that while the old Jedi way was a peacekeeping way and a way to develop these light side force users, it also was a way to blind yourself because that old way allowed the force to get out of balance, allowed the Sith to rise, allow the new Republic to fall apart. And so if you're just going to put a new Republic back in place, well, it's just as susceptible to whatever's out there that's dark sided as it would be before. And, you know, and, uh, you know, sorry, Mon Mothma, I don't know the answer, but it just seems doomed to fail again. And we know it does um, because yeah. this whole thing is, what I, what I think in going back to Bad Batch 2 and all this is we are going to start getting, I think, this idea that there is the Empire and there is the Emperor. The Emperor is always going to do what's best for him. Set up an Empire. Sure, that's what's best for me now. Uh, do this other thing. That's what's best for me now. Be lying in wait, letting people think I'm dead. That's what's best for me now. That's what's best for me, my connection to the dark side, and ultimately the Sith. So whatever whatever he has to dress that up as the empire, the first order, it all just serves back to him and his desire to consume everything with the dark side. Because uh, because yes. even even all of the cloning stuff he's doing, you know, everybody in the Bad Batch and even Doctor Pershing are talking about the cloning as if it's uh, for betterment of society, or even the one Doctor in the Bad Batch says better control of people. But yeah, we all know and, that it's just so that the emperor can put his brain in another body. Well, they made that first kind of like connection in the Bad Batch. By the way, if you're not watching the Bad Batch, watch the Bad Batch. It's great. Spoiler Get on alert. Get on it, you clown. Spoiler alert if you're not watching it. Um, uh, the doctor says specifically like we can create a race, like a, a better – I'm not saying specifically like word for word, paraphrasing. Basically posits that they can use cloning to create a better race a more enlightened race which to me is like 
just saying, first of all, it's eugenics, which is racism, but it's also the, we want to clone the emperor. That's that's basically like the emperor is the baseline and we need, he is a better person. He is better than all of us. We need to be able to clone him. Darth Sidious. I'll tell you a funny little story. Tell it. I better fucking laugh at the end of this part of my French. Shivan Palpatine. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna split a stitch. Uh, okay. We were going through some of my grandparents' stuff after after my grandfather passed away, or after my grandmother passed away. So it was a little earlier. It was like 1997. So the first time I ever heard the term eugenics, we were going through some of her stuff, and we found a class transcript from the time she was attending BYU in the late 30s, and one of the classes she was taking was eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. I wow. was like, "What's eugenics?" That sounds like high. Why? It, like it sounded high techy, sciency, and I was like, "Oh, they had like this sciency class at at the Mormon University in the '30s," and and my parents had to be like, "Uh, no, it's kind of like trying to make better people." And I was like, "Well, making better people? Well, no, 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 not like that, not like that." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you you'd laugh. You got me. That worked out very well. Um, so this. <laughs> Thanks. You did it. This this episode, there is – I wrote this in the notes. There's so much Star Wars in this Star Wars. And we've kind of talked about it. There is the whole, um, you know, a ragtag bunch of rebel Mandalorians take on a much larger uh, pirate. Instead of the Empire, they're pirates. It's a, a literal pirate ship. And we get, yeah, we get the ground war. We get, we get to see the armorer fight, which was like, all right now. Oh, I wanted to bring this up too. I didn't put this in the notes. The fact that the Mandalorians have a gosh darn talking stick is incredible. Just incredible. The people who have like rockets on their wrists are like, no, 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 no. You cannot talk until you hold the fucking hammer. We okay. may be a bunch of lake shooting hillbillies, but we are civilized and we will demand order. Yeah. We we do all of our training directly on the beach, mere feet away from a giant alligator that will attack us at any given moment. But I, gosh darn I it, hear- you do not open your mouth until you hold this thing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, that's they they they're trying to build a better world. I, I did hear somebody say, by the way, that they thought, "Oh, we're out here practicing shooting our weapons into the water, and it just so happens that this will also keep the alligator man away." Oh, that yeah, that works. Like the noise, the noise. It doesn't like it doesn't like seeing the noise or the um, ripples on the water. So it's like, man, yeah, like explosions there. and shots. And I, I more on that talking stick thing. I really did love the misdirect. They've Set us up for this misdirect uh, that, you know, how does Vizsla feel about these interlopers? How does the armor feel? What are they going to do? Are they going to connive behind the scenes? And Vizsla doing that whole, this guy did this and this guy did that. And that's why I trust them. And we got to go. I loved that. I actually, I thought that they, for such a kind of a, that's a trope. uh, I thought they pulled it off brilliantly. And I really appreciated that scene. I feel like once we, if you, I do agree. If you want to say that there was any kind of clunkiness, it was to like, it did take us a little bit of time to get to the covert. But once we got to the covert, we were just cooking. And 
like you know we're getting we're getting we're uniting we're a ragtag group we're gonna go take on these people we're gonna go save these other people and yeah all the stuff first of all it's how much time do we think has passed in from when the attack happened on navarro to when the mandalorian show up how much time do you think has passed I know it all did seem a little foot draggy while people were being killed by pirates. Uh, it, it like, was it three weeks that they, I don't know, but that, that place is straight up trashed. And I'm like, what has it been like months? It should, it feels like it's only been like a week, maybe two with the most. And they have just, I mean, it looks like in an apocalypse movie when it's like, you know, there's little rats scurrying around and it hands up and it's like oh no it's a thrifties you know yeah <laughs> it's oh no the thrifties i think that maybe they're playing with some of the reality of relativistic travel where you know you get this message and okay i'm gonna go light speed all over the galaxy for like three months looking for people but because i was going at light speed i come back to this planet it's only been like a week yeah you're right it might only, it might be mere, a mere days <laughs> and we have gone to full civilized society to just absolute like Last of Us style set pieces with these party animals. Uh, that was a pretty sweet party. Like seeing a Trandoshan like coming out of a bar drunk was like, here we go. This, this, I'm very, this, this could be my, you know, beach party scene for the episode. It really, it was an ass kick and a great time. And oh, speaking of a great time, I would, I, I, uh, this will probably be coming up later, but you know Carson Teva's story, right? That actor. Uh, no, tell me. He's just a dude from the 501st. They had him come in to do something, some bit of consulting. And then we're like, oh, well, let's just have you in. You have the uniform and everything. So he, like his one bit part earlier on gets expanded to him being this new Republic Ranger. And now he's the Columbo of this episode. I'm just watching this guy who is just like us, a fan, a super fan. And every cockpit, he got to go in and push the buttons. Every he pulls out the machine, puts the card in, gets the message. I'm like, he's he has ascended. He is the guy who Wait, probably so had the action figures. Not even do, an do, do, actor? Do. He's not even like quote unquote an actor. That's not how he came to it anyway. I'm look. I'm on his IMDb page. The guy works. No, Alex. He's been. Oh, you're right. 2019. No, he was in a couple things. In 2019, 2020, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he started working after, whatever. Either way, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Whatever. I just know he. I know he's a super fan, and I know that him getting to like these are the real things that they built for people to sit. I was watching him hit the buttons in the cockpit on the on the X wing and going. That must have been so much goddamn fun. Oh, that, like, I mean, and also like amazing. for an actor, just like. Oh, I'm. I I think it would be the first time in my career when I would I could actually lose myself in a role and be like, oh, I'm here now. I am this man. Look at all lose the buttons your, I'm pushing. Lose yourself in the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. Ho. Oh. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Yo. Um. As <laughs> true now as when the forefathers penned it in 1776. Thank you for bringing that back around. You're welcome. You have 12 more minutes before you have to leave. Correct. This is about right. I'm. I think I'm about the forty minute mark. I think I have to get out of here at noon. Oh well, we got. Let's just kick. Let's just put our feet up. We can really dive deep in. Let's here. coast. Let's coast. Yeah. Put a, put a song on. Put a song on. Let's take a caller. Let's how. <laughs> Whenever I wake up, um, 
let's see. So I got so much to talk about. Um, there, there's something else that was very interesting. A lot of the show kind of ends, and once once they get the talking stick, it's about it's not just about you know repaying debts like Mandalorians are. Uh, the type of people that we've learned through the first two seasons of the show that Din Djarin, if he says he's going to do something, he will do it and they will do it until they've repaid it. And, but then he says, but this could also be a home for us. We, and we don't have to hide anymore. We can be out. And if you take that kind of thinking with what happens at the end of this episode, it really seems to be that we're starting to get to a place where, okay, we are, we're just going to try to, basically what they said, we're, we're going to try to unite Mandalore. We're going to try to bring in all, all the Mandalorians and we need, I don't fully understand this. Like Bo-Katan walks both ways. Does that mean, so she's, the armor asks her to take her helmet off. She takes it off and she basically tells her, because you saw the mythosaur, you are the one who is going to be uniting all of us. So you walk both ways. So does that mean she can like join the covert with her helmet, put her helmet back on and she can still be a part of the covert, but she can then take it off to go talk to Sabine, which I think has to be happening now. I think so. There's, there's the way and the way is very, you know, regimented and exclusive. And you can tell because when she comes out with her helmet off, even though the armorer is there and seemingly cool with it, the rest of the Mandalorians are like, wait a minute, hold on a minute, her helmet's off. Like they weren't able to kind of tell from context clues that I guess we're doing helmets off now. So I think maybe it's the the armorer maybe like kind of calling an audible, as it were, like because she knows she's leading a band of fanatics. So yeah. she's got to sort of ease them into the the loosening of their, of their regime, you know, it's first it's masks off. Then it's like, well, you know, casual Fridays and then, you know, what Margarita Monday. Now all you gotta of wear it, it indoors, in service. indoors, indoors only. You had to wear your mask indoors yeah. only. Yeah. And then all of it in service of getting some more shooting into the lake time, you know, <laughs> we need that lake time. I it's yes. Yeah, so that there was, that was that interpretation. Do you think that means that, the children of the watch will stay that way or will we start like, is Pedro Pascal going to be like active in a full episode of this television show? Like, like we can take our helmets on and off now. I don't know where that is going, but it, you pair up her, she's the, the day Walker or whatever. And then <laughs> we're going to, we're going to collect all the Mandalorians and then take back Mandalore. And I think that it's, it's maybe her saying that we we know that our way isn't the you know it turns some people off. So if we've got somebody a, a representative out there who's you know walks both worlds, it's going to make so things like, more appealing. So it's like when the Republicans at the GOP convention are like roll out Antonio Sabato Jr. and are, yeah, are like yeah or the guy or the guy the one Huxtable the guy no the guy who married Lisa Bonet on the Cosby Show. As like, look, we got this is our uh, this is, or Candace Owens when they roll Candace Owens out, and they're like, see, is, we're just you like talking you. about Raven Simone's dad from the Cosby Show, the guy who was in the military, the Navy guy. Yeah, yeah, that's Raven Simone's dad. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's a Republican. Ah, jeez. But you know what I mean? Like, hey, look, we're just like you. Yeah. Here's our. Yeah. Here's our. Here's our one. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, see, we could take our helmets off. See, look at her. Yeah, yeah. She got yeah, her helmet yeah. off. Take yours off. Uh, that's what, like, so what I do think we are going to get, though, is I do think we are going to get a, uh, we can get, Gro- we solved the problem of Grogu getting into some Beskar, but not being able to get his helmet on. He can he can have that helmet off, baby. Yeah, I think he's he's also we're yet to see what he's going to be and what he's going to do. I just want we didn't we didn't hear him talk at all this episode, which is just is always a mistake. I do even though I said I love this episode. We anytime you can make have Grogu making, I mean, come on, like we're uh, how close are we to subtitles for Grogu? Oh gosh. I wish. I do think there was in the in the episode like three episodes ago when it's like um Din says this is the way and then Bo-Katan says this is the way and then Grogu went like I bet he was saying this is the way which is like yes. We should have him on the show and ask him. Yeah, let's uh let's talk to hey Marcy. Yeah, Marcy. Marcy, can you talk to Grogu's manager? I don't know. I don't know, 3 arts maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Look on IMDb Pro. Just look on it. That's why we subscribe. Gosh. The password's password. You know that. I'm sorry. Marcy, I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. That was terribly inappropriate. I'm sorry, Marcy. Kenny, you know? you've been writing her pretty hard lately. Uh, and, you know, she's she's going through that breakup. I just think, you know, maybe give Marcy like a little. Here's what. Hey, Marcy. Marcy, when you're done with that, you go ahead clock out uh, and then take tomorrow off too. you know, get yourself, get yourself some, some you time. You deserve it. You're the producer. You produce this wonderful show. Thank you. We're not paying you for tomorrow though. You're taking that off, but no, you that, know, just yeah, like, you, you, and you can't use it as a sick day. Yeah, no, just you, get yourself together. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> there is no Marcy. Um, <laughs> it was all a bit. So if, if so, that we leave the episode. The episode ends basically with the armor coming up. Basically, we need to re- we need to, which is hilarious. We've just got a new home, and then she says she literally then two seconds later is like we have to take back Mandalore. I'm like, make up your mind. Is this your new home? Are you going to go back to Mandalore? Are you going to reunite reunite Mandalore on Navarro? We'll see. But we then cut to this like kind of almost like feels like a post-credit sequence, but it's not. It happened right before the credits. We see our boy Tiva flying through the air and we learn because he said earlier in the episode that Moff Gideon never made it to his trial. And we find this ship has been attacked in, uh, in the you know deep space in the outer rim. And uh, everyone's dead, obviously, but Moff Gideon is gone and he finds a bit of Beskar stuck on the wall. So, and then you hear over the, you hear, are you saying that Mandalorians freed Moff Gideon? Um, which I don't know if that's what that means, but there, what I do think we are going to get is we are going to get Bo Katan coming face to face with probably some interesting, potentially cool. There's all kinds of kind of bad Mandalorians we've run into in rebels and clone wars. So interesting to see what happens. There's several splintered groups uh, in, you know, Bo-Katan being a member of one of them. And then the armor says kind of underlines uniting all the different groups of Mandalorians, which kind of sets up the idea that, oh, there's is there a rogue group or is I think new rock stars had a big uh, a big title on their thumbnail said, are they being framed? 
Oh, the Mandalorians. Well, there's the Met. Well, there's so yes, the, uh, Bo Katan was a member of what was called Night's Watch, which I believe they need to like take all of these factions could probably lose watch from their name because it's confusing. Yeah, um, I'm confused. And the Night's Watch was actually ran by Paz Vizla's father or older brother. I forget the way the lineage is. It's his father, correct? Same here. I think it might be his dad. Yeah, so that's what they were led, and they were specifically uh, designed. They left. They were kicked off Mandalore um, when Mandalore, when the uh, the Duchess Satine, not to be confused with Sabine, <laughs> the Duchess Satine, who is Bo-Katan's sister, her family. That's why I had to talk about her family. She is in the line of of royalty at Mandalore. Um, but they left. They're like a, a rogue faction. And then we also saw in Rebels, we saw a a certain um, faction of Mandalorians joined the Empire. And there were like Imperial Mandalorians, which I forget the clan that was that clan. But so there's a lot there. There's a lot of people we could see. I see your brain. Was that clan written? Was that Sabine's clan that joined the Empire? No, her her family did not. So Clan Ren, which d- spelled W R E N, not W, not R E N, like Kylo Ren. <laughs> we gotta get, we gotta get some distance between names, folks. Like we can't Look, just be like Ren and Ren, but Sabine Ren's name is W R E N. I'm gonna look it up. Kenny, there's up. only like there's only like 15 possible sounds the mouth can make, and you, you when you're smacking together so many different combinations of them, you're gonna run out. We got the Night's Watch. We got the Children of the Watch. We got the uh, we got the the, the stop the, ni- the Jedi Knights, the Knights of Ren, Kylo Ren, Sabine Ren, but not that Ren. It's a W. There's a W in front of her R. I know it's weird, but let's just go with it. Kylo Ren, who's actually is not his name because he's a part of the Knights of Ren. Like, oh my God, oh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> you're welcome. Ben Skywalker Solo. <laughs> solo Ben. Soloben. I'm trying to find the name of... Oh, you know who else was in um, uh, Bad Batch this week? Didn't it seem like... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Orson Krennic was in uh, the Bad Batch. They had Bad Batch released their two final episodes this week. And part of it is like they have a meeting with Grand Moff Tarkin. And if the camera pans and it's like the same outfit, he looks like Kren- Orson Krennic, which I was like, oh, Krennic. He says, Commander Krennic, please present your thing. And he says, right uh, right away. That's his only like line in the whole thing. But he's, you know, because of the timeline, that's Commander Krennic. He's not, uh, what's he, what is he when he's, when he gets to Rogue One? I don't know. God, I can't, we can't, we've made one thing abundantly clear (laughs) in the last 10 minutes is that there's so much lore now that we can't keep it all straight. Um, There is a great book. You should read Catalyst. It's part of the canon. It basically takes place before, between, um, it takes place before Rogue One. It's all about Galen Erso, how he gets recruited into the project to build the Death Star. There's a bunch of stuff between Krennic and, um, that guy, Grand Moff Tarkin. Krennic also shows up in the first Thrawn novel with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. So there's some great stuff, but Krennic hasn't shown up in a lot of the animated stuff yet, but it was nice to see Krennic in Bad Batch. Anyway, do who do we think, like, is there still like an evil faction of Mandalorians or do you think this is just going to be like maybe Mandalorians came to save him and it's the First Order that actually got Moff Gideon and the 
Mandalorians try to stop them? I don't know. Or do you think it's straight up that there is a faction of the Mandalorians that are working with Moff Gideon? I think there's a bad faction of Mandalorians. He had the Darksaber for a reason. He probably has a clutch of Mandalorians. And it seems like, get, barring stuff that's like a Jedi-level threat, um, the, the Mandalorians really haven't come up against anything that they couldn't take on. And so maybe the only the only worthy challenger in the galaxy is another group of Mandalorians. That's a great point you made about the Darksabers because there was a lot of Darksaber stuff from the uh, in the previously on section, which opened up with just the scenes from Book of Boba Fett of Paz Vizsla explaining the, how did you get the Darksaber? Oh, I got it from Moff Gideon. And then we didn't, excuse me, we didn't see the Darksaber at all in the episode. So I think that's a good point that you brought up that like, yes, Moff Gideon had to get the Darksaber from a Mandalorian. Although we don't know, we don't know. Well, it got to Sabine. Sabine, where did it go after Rebels? Sabine didn't have it at the end of Rebels, right? She gave it away at that at one at that point. No, I think she, well, no, uh, she, she did give it to, didn't, didn't Bo-Katan have it yes, at the end of Rebels? It, she gave it to Bo-Katan, but she didn't fight her for it. She didn't win it. And then so then Bo, it, what we've learned between Rebels and Mandalorian is that Bo-Katan was the leader. She had the Darksaber, but you know it led the whole genocide of their whole planet was <laughs> gone. And then she lost it. But we don't know how it went from Bo-Katan to Moff Gideon. We don't know that. Uh, can I give you two of my favorite little behind-the-scenes details of the episode? Please. First, uh, there's a in in the beach bar rebel pilot scene in where one of the not, establishing where shots where they're not part where they're not being proper beach boys. Yes, they're not being proper beach boys. New Republic, non-beach. Um, there's a I think it's a shot of Dave Filoni in the foreground of one of the shots. There's a guy that's kind of prominent he's got a uh, kind of a cowboy hat on and i know dave filoni wears that all the time but it's also canonical because dave filoni plays one of the x-wing pilots um that blows up that space station that man that din is on uh at it, i think in book of boba fett right those yes. three new republic uh um x-wing fighters so he, since dave filoni is one of them he could just be one of the x-wing pilots just hanging out there but the second detail is when grief karga is describing the land that he's giving to the mandalorians he says it's from the lava flats all the way to bullock canyon and jeremy bullock is the first guy who played boba fett they i love the detail that to me even though that's like you know it's for people like us or new rock stars to find that stuff the fact that that's where they go, like we need to name something and for people who write or I write, it's like, oh, well, this, this mountain's called something. I don't know. It's called Mount, you know, it starts with the W oh, Warner. Okay. And that's how you get, keep going. But yeah. like Star Wars is like, wait, we'll put a pin in that and then let's think about it. And then who do we want to like give shout Oh, let's use this as an opportunity. You know what I mean, like that, that level of detail is really great and always very appreciated. To, to the guy the paying heed to the guy who is a key element of the mystique that that has buoyed that very minimally developed character and his culture from for 45 years now. Yeah, and then George basically was like, ah, actually, you're going to be from New Zealand. Sorry. Yeah. Actually, you're just We're a making, clone. 
we're making three new movies and you're not going to be in any of them. And we're going to beef up your character and we're making him a clone and another actor is going to play him. Thanks. Jeremy, I'd actually, I'd actually like it if you could watch the entire production from outside a giant window, uh, periodically having to wipe your own breath fog off of it to see inside. Just like, just like Django fed on Camino. Um, so here's the easiest question to ever ask. Is this Star Trek or Star Wars? This is this is the Star Warsiest Star Wars. I've said before that Star Wars works sometimes its best when the director is just playing with the toys. And this was a toy play crossover thing like, oh, I'm a detective in the next wing and I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to meet Zeb from Rebels. He's there. I'm going to go to this place and then I'm going to, oh, all the Mandalorians are going to drop out of this craft. And it 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 was play. It was fun. Yeah, and a Kowaki and monkey you, lizard pointing out an ambush to a Mandalorian is pretty chef's kiss. Yeah, that is like we are we are in the sandbox. We have all the toys and we are just having a blast. Mom, dad, we don't want to ever leave the beach. Let's just leave me here and I'm going to build stuff. And that's what's happening. <laughs> this was Star Wars. This was the most Star Warsy and Star Wars. Star Trek couldn't do this on its best day. Um, maybe no. Star Trek Beyond did, um, cause they had the Beastie Boys in it, which I mean, I still think is a massive flex. A lot of people don't like that. The Beastie Boys just showed up in a Star Trek movie as a Beastie Boys and a Star Trek fan. I was here for it. Uh, winners and losers now, Alex, who's your big winner from this episode, episode five, which was titled, I had the title and it just left my head. So let's just pretend like I didn't say it. And Alex, the pirate, it's, it's, that's what it's called. Uh, it's yeah, called the I was going to say the rapscallion. I think that the winner again is, is Carson Tiva, the guy who gets to the, the character and the guy who gets to play Carson Tiva. Cause he is re- like legitimately living out my fantasy where he is being paid as an actor, getting to press and click all the buttons, wear the cool stuff. And, uh, and then he he can probably just go about his day in virtual anonymity too. <laughs> so I, I uh, yeah. I'm very he's the big winner. I'm very envious. Yeah, I'm gonna say big winner. I feel like I just gonna we've already talked about it. It's just the fact that we got Zeb. I think that's kind of a win for us. I think it's for fans of Rebels. Can't stress enough if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, it is just. It's just a great television show. And to know that we're getting all of these people that we spent so much time with, with the animated series, we are going to be getting them in live action, so, like imminently is so cool. A um, lot of bodies of water here. We lot of, a lot of bodies of water, lots of opportunities for not just for beach partying, but for boats to show up. I mean, a lot of opportunities. And, and a certain, a certain specific boat that you and I, the uh, day one boat stand Kings would, yes, uh, you know, we, would just it would just make our millennium if it happened that the Sam Wilson shrimping boat from Falcon and the Winter Soldier could just pop up one of these times and since it continues to not I you know I think I think at a certain point we're going to have to admit that the big losers are us yeah day one boat stand kings I, I'm still waiting for news we know we talked about Liv Tyler being cast in Captain America First Order have yet to hear anything about Sam shrimping boat appearing in that film and i truly feel if that we reach that point as a podcast when we go to see that movie i believe next year when it comes out and that boat's not in it it's going to be a really hard time for us so you can just start thinking about that kevin feige do you want to ruin two dedicated day one boat stand kings lives i mean just think about it just just think about it no answers now just think about it
Yeah, just I'm just saying you're still in pre-pro. There's plenty of opportunity to get that boat out there wherever you're shooting. I'm assuming Atlanta. Um, Alex, you got another ad read from a, a tame ad read from this restaurant. Oh, no, from the gym. Sorry, I, the gym. I do, but before I read that ad, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. All right. We are back from our uh, uh, little, little pee-pee breaks. And Alex, you were going to read something from Rick Rubin's gym. Let's go. Yeah, Rick Rubin's oneness and doneness. Uh, get ready to chop wood, carry water, and blast your fucking delts, bro. The teacher has appeared. Is the student ready? You're not ready for the greatest high-intensity interval training you've ever heard of. His music may be stripped down, but his sound bath will take you to pound town. So that's uh, Rick Rubin's oneness and doneness. It's a great new gym facility. It's a little too aggressive for my tastes. Well, just like the man himself. It is so aggressive. Um, all right, baby. You know what time it is? Game I do know time. what time it is. Game time. Alex, you got a game for me to play today. This is a game. Uh, it's called uh, In the Wick of It. So with the okay. the the uh, impending release of John Wick 4, oh, I no, wanted to test out, your it knowledge. Out last week. It already made $73 million. We're deep into the release schedule of John Wick 4 <laughs> to test your knowledge of the franchise Amazing. with a game where you're going to identify whether or not the quotes that I read are from the John Wick franchise. Uh, simply put, okay. you, I'll read a quote. You tell me whether or not it's from the franchise. Okay? Copy that. First one's, first one's easy. He stole John Wick's car, sir, and uh, killed his dog. That Yes, that is in the, that is from the John Wick franchise. Yes, that's Aurelio in John Wick, the first one, 2014. Um, here's another one. Do I look civilized to you? Yes. Yes, that is that is John Wick says that in John Wick 1, 2014. John Wick uh, what one. about you, this one? Have, have you seen any of the John Wick movies? I've seen one and a half of them. Oh, great. We should do four on this show because I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, keep going. Okay, the next question is this quote from one of the John Wick movies. Oh, no, I peed and doo-dooed my widow pants. Can you change me? <laughs> oh, I'm going to say that is uh, not from a John Wick movie. You're correct. That's actually Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, in a recent interview uh, regarding his regulatory fencing with Disney Studios. Our next question <laughs> is this quote from the John Wick uh, series. I get it. Um, I'm going to say yes. Yes. John Wick says that in John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum from 2019. Great movie. Uh, how about this one? You want a war or do you want to just give me a gun? That's uh, that's also John Wick. That is John Wick, correct. He says that in John Wick Chapter 2, 2017. The next quote is, ooh, I hope they don't all whaff at my widow pee-pee. Was that, ooh, I hope they don't laugh at my widow pee-pee. Is that a quote from the John Wick movies? I don't think that is from the John Wick movies. No, you're right. It's actually Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said this to Tucker Carlson about the 2024 presidential race. Um, the next the next oh. question, the next, now, is this quote, is this quote from the John Wick movies? I once saw him kill three men in a bar with a pencil, with a fucking pencil. That is, yes. I, re I remember that from yeah. the movie, yes. Vigo Tarasov says that in John Wick 1 from 2014. Uh, the next quote, the knife is in your aorta. You pull it out, you will bleed, and you will die. Consider this a professional courtesy. Is that from the John Wick movies? 
That is. I'm pretty sure Keanu says that. Yeah, he says that in John Wick 2, Chapter 17, our final quote. Oh, no, my little pee-pee fell off on the floor. Can you help me find it? Uh, was that from John Wick movies? <laughs> no, that sounds like Ron DeSantis. No, that's actually a Ron DeSantis quote. He said that in front of a group of school children uh, recently at a, at a debate. So that was in the wick of it, uh, the uh, game about the John Wick franchise. That was well done. That was a quality, quality piece of content right there. Oh no, I my widow pee pee fell off on the floor. <laughs> um, why is Ron? De- I mean, I'm here for it. I'm here for Ron DeSantis's pee pee falling off, but <laughs> his widow pee pee. Not that oh, there's God. anything wrong with having a small one. He just feels deep shame about it. No, yes. If absolutely, if anybody in this world has little dick energy, it's Ron DeSantis. Um, Alex, do do you have one more uh, ad read from our sponsor? Yeah, again, this is Rick Rubin's Oneness and Doneness. Breathe in your serenity and breathe out flab. Music's most beloved hobo is here to help you out this summer to get your bikini bod ready to rom some DOS. So that's uh, Rick Rubin's <laughs> oneness and doneness. Robs of Doss? What the hell does that yeah. mean? I, I don't know. That's just the ad copy they gave me. <laughs> Music's hottest hobo? Is that what you said? Music's most beloved hobo. He's going to help you out this summer. Get your bikini bod ready to rom some Doss. <laughs> you think he's know. talking about beloved wise man Ram Das? Be here now. I'm not sure. This I uh, just read the ad copy I'm given. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you're just you're Ron Burgundy. You know, whatever's in front of you, you say it. But yeah, yeah you know the game. For those of you, those of you who don't know, Rick Rubin is this man who has had like a ZZ Top style beard since like. Uh, I don't know, 1985. And he used to have long hair, but now he doesn't. His hair is like gone on top, but he still like has little flecks of it here and there. And then he just has this giant ZZ top beard, ZZ top. If you don't know who they are, just put that into YouTube and have fun. So the fact to call him, you know, the most, the most famous hobo that, that tracks, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, it's a selling point. First of all, no one should have no one should be unhoused. We should that's one of the easiest things we could do. We need to take money out of police forces and started investing in our most least unfortunate members of our neighborhood. Same time when I say hobo, I'm talking about like guy from like the 30s movies who has like one shoe or like the shoe is kind of popping off at the toes and they have like a sack that they've tied a polka dotted sack they've tied a to bindle. a stick yeah and they're and they're walking around that's what rick rubin looks like yeah, rick and, I, and when i say hobo i'm not talking about somebody unfortunate this is somebody living their best life riding the rails and uh stealing yes. pies that are cooling on windowsills you and know like puts on like takes out like a napkin to wrap around their neck to eat some beans out of a can like that's what we're talking about you know in a way the hobo might be the richest man in america <laughs> Back to you, Kenny. Well done. Uh, before we get out of here, we always talk about our Hoopla recommendations. Hoopla, you can go with using your library card to your public library. You can check out digital comics on your platforms and devices. And we recommend something that you can read for free right now for nothing. Alex, what is something that you could read right now on the Hoopla, which does not support this podcast? We just love it. We just love, we love to support this. Uh, I would, I would say jump into, 
I'm still making my way through the other history of the DC universe, but get all-star comics only legends live forever. And if you, uh, if you want to view into one of my favorite, um, favorite teams, the justice society, and maybe get a window into why it was a, a good decision in the early 1980s to get rid of them. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead and pick that one up and, and Marvel at, at DC. There you Marvel, go. That's my well, little joke for the end of it. Well done. Uh, I went was scrolling through some of the things that I've read on Hoopla over the years, and my recommendation is a great run by Robert Kirkman, who doesn't do too much in the comic space. He's a Kirkman. Well, he did Walking Dead, right? That sounds right. Anyway, yeah, he created Walking Dead and Fables. He's a an, actually an enormous comic book creator. Yeah, sorry, but he has doesn't work a lot for Marvel. But one of the things that he did for Marvel was Marvel Zombies, which I know Alex, you don't care for the scary stuff. The Marvel Zombies did come in an episode of What If, and there's going to be a full show coming uh, from to Disney Plus, an animated show called Marvel Marvel Zombies. The run by Kirkman is like what you saw on What If times ten. Uh, just really interesting stuff going on. All of the Avengers become. All the Avengers except a couple become zombies and they eat everyone. They then eat uh, Galactus at one point <laughs> to, yeah. become, to become like eternal and it then cuts ahead several years later. T'Challa is the only one to survive. And he creates a whole society. It's, it's incredible stuff. It's an incredible Janet Van Dyne is a zombie, but they are able to like, fix her and then he and T- she and T'Challa get married it's just wild wild stuff um really really cool check out check that out that's my recommendation Alex we are we are dog owners what did your dogs think of episode five of the Mandalorian uh, I, I think Lupo especially who's sitting behind me right now got a got a big kick out of like I mentioned those Kowaki and monkey lizards and it, it, he mentioned to me that they seem to play with the Kowaki and monkey lizard sentience back and forth depending on how convenient I mean could do you think you could go have a conversation with one of these guys or is it just like a monkey I I think it's a lot of like Ack, 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 like noises and stuff, but I don't know. People could talk to people who understand Wookie, so I mean, anything's game at this point. That's true. Uh, I'm still in Palm Springs, away from my dog, and so I I truly have no idea how she feels about it. I do think that most likely she was just sitting in the bedroom uh, with my wife, and I don't think she watched it. Oh no, my dog is actually at some. My wife is out of town, and my dog she's at somebody else's house. So God knows what she was doing. Who knows? Oh, geez. What if they were watching something like The Ranch or something? She had to sit through that. Oh, my gosh. I don't You know, Sam Elliott's a good actor. We love Sam Elliott. Yeah, oh, boy. The Dodge Ram has more towing capacity. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Alex, where can the folks find you or, for lack of a better word, not find you? Google Duke underscore Midnight, M-I-D-N-I-T-E, and, uh, and I'll, I'll run from you. There it is. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, sometimes uh, uh, TikTok, Twitch, and Letterboxd as Kenny G. Stevenson. I'm on Instagram at Kenny G. Donut King. If you're in the Palm Springs area, come over to the Coachella Valley Repertory Theater between now and April 9th, and you can see me in a play called Hand to God, and it is R-rated. Do not bring your kids. There we go. Leave That's them at home. Don't take your children to the desert. 
Take him to the desert if you want to. Don't bring him to this show. It's extremely R-rated in every capacity, uh, barring full frontal nudity. Um, Alex, what a treat to be able to talk about The Mandalorian with you. What a, what a treat. The only thing that could make that that show better is the knowledge that in a, a quick 24 hours after watching it, I'd get to chop it up with you, my friend. Truly, truly. Uh, next week, let's go see Dungeons and Dragons? Question mark. I feel like we should. I would love to make it work. Let's put a pin in that. Don't don't hold me to anything. I will not. We could very well just be talking about episode six of Mandalorian next week, but maybe we'll be talking about and, Dungeons and Dragons. Who knows? And you'll eat it and like it. Yes, you will. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye.